Hello, this is Nicholas Polacki from Shibui Japanese Whiskey. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Bobby, I have a serious question for you. Uh-oh. It's not how are you doing. I feel like we've beaten that dead horse too this, much lately. Every time I you single one of us out, it's a, last time you singled somebody out, it was Aaron because of his Crocs. Yeah, and we brutally punished him for that. <laughs> we did. I actually sent him a picture of Croc high heels yeah. not too long ago, and I said, yeah. "Look, so I Christina's net birthday oh, or something." I mean, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not for you. What's the target? Um, the target is. This is a dry month for you. I know. So we've got a lot of delicious looking whiskey in front yes. of us. And you're just. Well, what makes it tough is I it? am a massive Japanese whiskey fan. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what Japanese whiskey is doing right now. Mm-hmm. I like the momentum. I like everything about it. And yes, I chose February um, to be dry. It is the shortest month. Um, also calculated. for some, you know. My own reasons and everything. I just wanted to, you know, see if I can do it. So this is a testament to how awesome and how much control I have as a person. Am I a hero? Yes. Yes, I am. Well, there's the theme of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of glad that you're going to be able to help us with your with your appreciation for Japanese whiskey. And I know we've done the three of us have done an episode on that before. Yeah. Um, I think that there are going to be a lot of notes that are going to be fun to kind of kick well, into this conversation. I, I, I'm jumping ahead so, a little bit and we'll yeah. get into it with them. The one thing, and this is going to sound kind of, you know, a bit of an oxymoron here. I love Japanese whiskey. I don't like rice whiskey. Mm. And I see a lot of rice whiskey on this. So I'm really bummed that I'm not going to taste because I'm sure this would change my mind, but we'll never know. Because I'm never going to come. We won't have it. No, I have. I have my sample set aside Uh for the first of March, Uh right? Uh And then it starts at midnight. midnight. (laughs) I hope it's a Monday, and I'm just going to crack them open, and I'm going to send our guest an an email, and it's just going to be a thumbs up, just the emoji, and he'll thumbs up emoji. He'll be like, "Yeah, nice. I'm glad I came on that show." Yeah. So, Aaron, you're sitting across from Bobby. How are you going to rub his face in this? I well, I can just grab his face and rub it in it. Right? Yeah. I hope you smell. Can... You do smell. Oh, you meant. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> All right. Classic joke. Anyway, um, I hope to smell your. Uh, you you to nose it. You can, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind me smelling it. Well, now that we've gotten that out of our system, we talk about other things now. Editing nightmare. I need Let's an adult. I don't think this is going to help, but I'm happy to bring him on. Our guest left an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> he saw. What he, he's like, I don't get paid enough. Right, right. We'll see. I think it'll be a fun ride. No, I'm excited. So, with that all said and out of our system, I am very pleased to welcome to our podcast today, Mr. Nicholas Bulaki, the co-owner and head of Global Whiskey, and more importantly, with us today from Shibui Japanese Whiskey. Nicholas, welcome to whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> Katie and... It's great to be with you. Bobby, I'm sorely disappointed that you've decided that this is your moment to stop drinking alcohol. And then I can't even convert you into appreciating what it is and understanding single grain rice whiskeys. Yeah, I know. But you can plant it verbally in my head. And regardless of what you say, I'm just going to keep saying it's so good. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this. It, it, it has, I, I was about to say it could have been worse, but it actually has been worse. I was once invited onto global television for CNBC and they had me present and talk about whiskey and the entire panel were all recovering alcoholics and none of them decided to taste but all of them decided to share at that moment that that was their uh, that's who they all were so that was you had no idea going into that that no idea no idea it felt like maybe someone within the production team should have like vetted the guests yeah, right across the board that day. <laughs> most, yeah. most particularly me. Like, just don't have me on that day. Right. Yeah. Like that. Okay. 
You should have just been so like, anyway. Oh, me too. So now what? So in the words of Meatloaf, two to three ain't bad. So I don't mind Bobby sitting this one out. So uh, well, I'm here in spirit. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was going to land. Okay, you know what? Let's go. I'm glad it's not me this time around with the jokes. <laughs> oh yeah. So Nicholas, uh, we are as we were saying before. We've talked a little bit about Japanese whiskey before. We're all fans for different reasons and different degrees. So can you kind of kick us off with telling us a little about your story, Shibui? Where are we coming in with these tastings? Sure. So, uh, I mean, I'll start a little bit of an introduction to all the listeners so they know who I am and, and who the team is behind Shibui. But I've worked in uh, for global whiskey brands for just over 20 years. I used to work globally for McAllen, Highland Park, and Glenrothes. I moved to the United States in 2010 to work for Balvenie. I set up my own business in 2012 and consulted with about 120 different whiskeys from around the world. And at that point, I actually met uh, my business partners, Lauren and Rachel Simmons. So we are we are a women-owned company. Uh, I am the thorn between two roses. Uh, so being a women-owned company in the world of whiskey is unique. Being a women-owned company in the world of Japanese whiskey is almost absolutely unheard of. So, but we worked together, funnily enough, Lauren and myself worked together. We launched Nika, Japanese whiskey, into the United States. Um, you know, we both worked on Cavalan, we worked on Glenrothes at the time as well, Glendronic, Ben Rie, Glen Glasgow, so amazing whiskies. And then we were just like, this is easy, we can do this, uh, and decided to do it for ourselves. No, <laughs> joking aside, we, we spent, you know, we've spent 20 years individually kind of building our own uh, relationships and, and we got the opportunity to go out and, and speak to numerous distilleries in Japan. And, and and really that was the start of it where we, we wanted to say like, there is so much great stuff going on in Japan, but the story is not muddled, but it's, I don't think there's the way that we do it in Scotland is super clear. And we have a ton of ambassadors around the world that go around and, you know, proclaim the, the good news of what we do in Scotland. And, and to us, it was, it was something that was really missing in the Japanese whiskey world was how do we talk about where the whiskeys are coming from? Why are the practices the way they are? And, and, and nobody still, even still, if you kind of Google up Japanese whiskey, it starts with, you know, one guy going to Scotland and all of a sudden Japanese whiskey was born in kind of the 1920s. That's a little bit of a, a disservice to 2000 years of alcohol production from Japan. So for us, it was about can we can we talk about the, the world of world blending and why that exists? And then can we kind of showcase what Japanese whiskey would have become had the Western world really not interjected so heavily into this production process and i think we've been really lucky like we're we're, we're in great company and i always say that like I've, i mean i'm a big fan of all the other uh, japanese whiskey brands out there which is wonderful uh, and we're in really great company because of that so we're spoiled as, as consumers and and for us it was could we add to the conversation and bring some really exciting and interesting whiskies into into the country and, and so far i think we've, we've done a, a pretty good job of doing so <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you have. We um, first off, impressive resume. We we have been guilty of, I guess, telling and retelling that story of you know Japanese whiskey. You know, he goes to Scotland, he comes back, and 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 back and forth. And because you still can't of, say his name, can you, Bobby? No, I don't. I listened to the episode, uh, and you made Mazataka Takatsuru, and you had Katie do it, and it was like, funny, yeah. It, I just did it now. I just looked at her and I was like, what's his face? I was so ready. I was so ready to I was like, what's in. his face? Anyway. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, retelling the story. So, so we keep telling, we keep retelling the story. I don't pay attention to it. So, I don't memorize anything about it. But, um, but we, the disservice is that they are on a path that's, in, that should be watched under a microscope because they're in their journey to become their own. I, I like to compare them to like, um, you know, one of our favorite whiskeys is Pendaren. It's a Welsh whiskey and watching them become Welsh whiskey and that evolution. Japanese whiskey is kind of on its own path and it's been there for a long time. But I think yeah. recently people are starting to turn their heads and say, you know, something serious is coming from there. We should be paying attention to it. Some of the best whiskeys I've had have happened to be from Japan. So I, I appreciate more conversations like this to talk about and kind of open up the egg what they can offer and give us outside of you know sake and beers looking at them make whiskey and doing a damn good job of it and it being japanese whiskey specifically and not just a replica of scotch whiskey yeah and i, th I think okay. that's so that i think that that starts like like the, a great point of, of how it all comes to be so 
for, for me, what I always tell people is, is all whiskey is rooted in agriculture. Okay, so in Scotland, it was the farmers who were producing wheat and barley that needed a tradable commodity if they had a bad harvest year and basically started to make them in shine. In Gaelic, they call it cleric. And it's basically right off the still rocket fuel. Okay, so the, 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 the farmers of the land were taking the grains of the land, distilling it and having alcohol made. Um, and then in Scotland, we happen to have trade with you know France and with Spain, so we have access to to wine barriques and to to sherry casks because that was the old alliance with with France and, and, and things like that. So in order to transport the alcohol around, we used oak barrels. It wasn't you know how we look at maturation now isn't how we look at maturation back back in you know in the 16th century, and it was just a case of moving booze from one place to the next. And basically, the successful farmers in Scotland built realize there's more there's more money to be made in slinging hooch than there is in farming the land. Who wants to who wants to farm the land? That seems like a lot of work. Let's just make alcohol. Uh, so and and it's great. Like if you go to Scotland, if you go to like Balvenie is a great example. Balvenie is in the middle of a barley field. So like everybody talks about you know the, the distillies and the way they were founded because it was important, but they were founded where they could um, have great water sources and great water supply and where they could grow grain. It was, you know, it was a farming, it was an agriculturally based uh, process. And that's the same, you know, and, and the, the understanding of, you know, oak maturation comes on board and the, the world of Scotch whiskey kind of takes off, okay? And that the exact same thing happens in the States, except the grain happens to be corn because that's what's grown here. And then corn becomes the backbone of moonshine and then in turn becomes the, the, the pillar of bourbon. It needs to be at least 51% corn based to be bourbon. And then, you know, American whiskey does the exact same thing. And it is true of agriculture shaping the, la- shaping the land of the whiskey from that land everywhere in the world, except Japan. Japan is the exception to the rule. So, and, and you know, the, the amazing story of, of, of people like Masataka Takatsuru is fantastic, but, it, it, you know, there's 2,000 years of, of rice alcohol production, you know, with sake being brewed and, and sochu and things like that, using not just rice, but, you know, sweet potatoes and 101 other different things. Um, and then you've got, Mazataka Takatsuru, who is does this phenomenal job, goes to Scotland, you know, you know, you guys have told the story, you know, marries a Scottish woman, works at a few distilleries, comes back to Japan and basically goes, look, we could just change everything that we're doing here, and that'll be now become Japanese whiskey. So to this day, the the grain that's used at some of these massive distilleries in, in Japan comes from predominantly Scotland and England. So it's not they don't grow enough of barley in Japan to facilitate the, 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 the vast amounts of, of malt whiskey production that's going on. Um, and most people are actually are surprised to hear that. Like, oh, I never thought about that. Like, so you've now got a completely different continent supplying the grain for the whiskey of that land, which is counterintuitive to what the world of whiskey is supposed to be about, which is the grain of the land being distilled and matured in oak, right? That's why it makes it uniquely from that place. Um, and that's that's why... When you've got what happened with Mazataka Takatsuru working with Shinjiro Torai and setting up Yamazaki Distillery and then kind of separating off and creating Mika, it was fantastic because you got like, now you've got a couple of distilleries doing some interesting stuff. But at that time, the world of Scotch whiskey isn't 30-year-old single malt Scotch whiskey from McAllen. McAllen wasn't released as a single malt until the 1980s. So you've got what is realistically within that time frame of, you know, the 1930s to the 19, let's call it late 1970s almost where the majority of whiskey being sold and marketed and branded out of Scotland is blended. Now, because you've got these two companies in Japan that don't particularly want to work with each other, they couldn't they wouldn't sell whiskey for each other for blending, which is what has really allowed whiskey distilleries in Scotland to survive and thrive. And because they wouldn't work to sell whiskey domestically with each other, the distilleries in Japan were forced to buy whiskey internationally. And the closest thing that you can get where the grain comes from Scotland and your stills were built in Scotland and shipped to another country, and the entire production process came from Scotland, was to buy whiskies from Scotland for blending. So the entire world of like pure malt whiskey and what you know what these big companies built the backbone of, of, of blending on was world blending. It wasn't called world blending. It wasn't marketed as world blending. It wasn't transparent as world blending. It was just the process of taking whiskies from around the world and blending into Japanese distillate. And they are superb at it. And it is really, really difficult to do. And the thing that really stood out with me and one of the things that we wanted to do with Shibui was to celebrate that. Rather than trying to, you know, we didn't set out to be like, oh, we're going to be a transparency brand. The byproduct of being liquid-led and focusing on just making great whiskey is that you can tell everybody everything that you do and, and that part of the process. 
And for us, that was exciting. It didn't feel like a, a conversation where we should shy away from. It felt like something that was actually, well, it was, it, it is 100 years old. You're not the first to do it. But I would actively say, and there have been some other companies that have come to the forefront to talk about it, but it's nice to be a part and contribute to that conversation as well as then celebrate the other side of, of what we do at Shibui, which is single grain whiskies from, from Okinawa. So we have two worlds, effectively. We've got a Magata range, which we can sit and taste through and talk about, which includes uh, Grain Select, our Pure Malt and our Pure Malt 10-year-old. And then we have our Okinawa range, which are all single grain whiskies from, from three spectacular distilleries that date back to, to 1846, 1883, and 19, 1952, respectively. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate that we get to work with great teams in Japan. Our distillery partnerships are phenomenal. And, um, and because of that, you know, we've released multi-award winning whiskey in the last 14 months. We are the most awarded Japanese whiskey to ever launch in the USA. And, and I think it's because we're just such a liquid-led business. Like the rest of it, the marketing and all the other fun stuff that comes along, it doesn't matter if the juice is garbage. So if your whiskey's not particularly great, like you're whiskey geeks, right? So you love to talk about the whiskey. And it does like, if you get a beautiful piece of packaging, it is nice. Like, you know, wow, look at this, hand-cut crystal decanter, yada, yada, yada. But if the juice is disappointing, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> like that's I've the goal, right? Cool bottles, terrible whiskey. Yeah, and uh, I've terrible had bottles, terrible good bottles, whiskey. amazing yeah. whiskey. So yeah. I've been, I've been nosing this first one that I, I guess we're about to talk of. Um, yes, the Green Select is where we're starting, right? Yes, please. And this is, this is fascinating. <laughs> the well, the nose of this is fascinating. So this is wheat, right? The grain. So this is a so, I love wheated bourbon, yeah. and so does Lauren, and so does Rachel. Actually, so the three of us were like, we should make a wheat Japanese whiskey blend. And and we call them world blends. Uh, we do all of this. All of it is, is blended. And, and, uh, and I'll walk you through. We're completely transparent about the processes for everything. But this is 100% distillate. It is wheat whiskies that are distilled in Japan, married with wheat whiskies that are distilled in Scotland. We mature in 100% um, American oak bourbon casks. Uh, we mature, sorry, portions of liquid are matured exclusively in bourbon casks. Uh, portions of liquid are matured exclusively in uh, Oloroso Sherry. We then marry the liquids together and then we finish that marriage um, in Japanese Mizunara oak. So you have triple cask maturation for these first three whiskies. So everything from Nagata is, is triple cask matured. Um, okay. Every whiskey that we make is natural color and non-chill filtered as well. So I've heard Mizunara oak can be challenged, I don't want to say challenging, can be fickle to work with because <laughs> it, it can... It can it can do too much. It can do too little. Is that because I've talked to people in the United States about, hey, you play with cask once you get some Mizunura oak. And first off, it's yeah. impossible. And second, yeah. they're like, it's just a challenge to age in because of it can take on some very crazy flavors and do some crazy things. Can you talk a little bit about that oak specifically? That Yes, we can. So uh, Mizunura. Bobby, I think you did a very delicate way of explaining what I would often refer to uh, as a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <is amazing. laughs> I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, uh, let me start there. So yeah. Mizanara does two things exceptionally well. It is, it is the, the wood was not designed for the purpose of what it's now used for. So let's let's start there, right? So it, it, it was always a, a wood that was predominantly used in Japan for furniture making. Um, after World War II, there was a lack of access for, for certain barrels from bourbon, American oak bourbon cast and, and European oak. And the Japanese then started to, to, to use Muzanara that, at that time frame. Now, Muzanara is, as everybody knows, who's in this kind of geeky business of, of geeking out in whiskey, it's super porous, so it leaks, which isn't great when you're trying to like mature a liquid. Yeah, yeah. It's something that leaks and you're watching it will just pull over the floor. Um, but but with that, what it does, it but it creates a, a very unique flavor profile. And that's why it's so special. And it's it's massively expensive. It takes a long time to cultivate the, the staves and, and, and the tree grow, the growing of the trees and the placement of the trees is well documented. Um, but the, the actual working of the wood is very difficult as well. And then more importantly, the maturation and how it matures is super important to me. So I think it does two things really well. I think it does finishing exceptionally. So if you anywhere from almost like, you know, two to three months 
right through to maybe maybe 12 months at a push, right? I treat it the same way when, when I remember working with David Stewart at Balvenie and he was so great at like explaining just how finishing in particular, who, he was one of the guys that really kind of started him and, and Dr. Bill Lumsden really created finishing. So for me, it was really important to listen to him when he was talking about Portwood. So Portwood, 21-year-old Balvenie is one of my favourite whiskies. But the finish period for Portwood is actually particularly short because it's it's uh, tawny port pipes that are really powerful. And that's the same thing as Mizanaro Oak. It's really powerful. It's a really powerful style of wood. So if you finish, you get over a very short space of time, you get, you know, this kind of notes of coconut and incense influence into the whiskey. Then from a year to about 15 years, everything that I've tried out of Mizanaro Oak in that time frame is not particularly good in my personal opinion. Now, it's my personal opinion. Anybody can go and do whatever they want to go and do. Where Mizanara then starts taking on a life of its own again and refreshing is in late-term maturation. So that kind of 18, 20, 25, 30, 35, because what's happened is that the wood has kind of peaked and then it starts to soften and mellow out. Right. So if you look at it like a like a like a like a graph, it kind of gets up and it's kind of all all those kind of super heavy tannins and all these kind of big notes just like pop out quickly. But if you were to then bottle that at 10 years, to me, it's just one dimensional and you don't, doesn't do justice to the spirit. If you let it go and let it go and let it go, it starts to balance out. What you end up with is a balance between spirit and wood. And that's always what you're looking for, that kind of peak of maturation thing. So it's really important to get that. Um, getting that chart. from this. So I, I a lot of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So when, when I, when I first started nosing it, it was, it, it was, uh, and, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you said incense. Because I was trying to figure out what I was getting on the nose. And at first I was like, is this a gin somehow? Did I somehow get a gin? And it is very botanical. It, but mm-hmm. Botanical, floral sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then I picked it up and I said, no, I don't think he would lie to me, but maybe. <laughs> um, but then I, but then I, I, I taste it. And I, I, it's, it's not that the, the taste is like the palate is dissonant from the from the nose in fact it complements it very well it's just a it's it's a whiskey and i love whiskeys that do this it's a whiskey where the nose is different than the taste and then the finish is something kind of related to both of them and i i just really really dig it but yeah heavy botanicals floral notes um after you said incense i couldn't get that out of my mind i was like yeah incense Mm -hmm. and then the taste is surprisingly mellow uh when compared to the nose that I got off, it's, it's, it's an amazing nose. I'm, I'm glad to hear you kind of, you know, frame it up like that, because right off the bat, this is something that grabbed my attention. Um, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and explain what I got off the nose in the nicest way possible, because I don't, I don't mean it as a bad thing. Um, fucking nightmare. Fucking nightmare. How'd you guys know? <laughs> okay. Which of you guys this, 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 this sounds like how my mother delivers news to me about what she thinks about my lifestyle. So here we go. <laughs> we're going to compliment this. No, I, okay. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I get like a floral nail polish remover off of the nose. I mean, when you said incense, I definitely like took a second. In a good way. Got that. Yes, actually. Like this is a very difficult thing to explain. But if you've ever, you know, like smelled a permanent marker or some nail polishes do have, I don't know, I think they put like artificial scents in it to try and make it a little bit more floral and less um, ammonia heavy, then that's, it, it creates kind of like a pleasant overall smell where you're like, I know I shouldn't keep smelling this, but I kind of want to keep going back to it. Mm. I hope that doesn't sound completely off no, the wall. No, I mean, if you pull distillate right off the still, you get that kind of... Mm-hmm pungent which i dig i like it's that. pungent that's yeah. i like that yeah it, it does have a gin thing a, a gin yeah. thing going on in my opinion i agree and that's just the nose i have no idea what it tastes like because i'm sticking to my guns and um you know you know this is my soapbox so um but it does have a very gin <laughs> quality to it so mm-hmm. I, that's what so i thought you guys were going to say and then yeah yeah and yeah but no but that, then the flip was is like the coconut piece which comes through very presently well, he planted that I also I put on coconut before this, so I wasn't sure at first if I was like shooting myself in the foot with that. But then it it makes a lot of sense. I also got kind of um almost like a honeyed mead type of does it, to it. Does it have the cream of wheat? You know that wheat, you know, a creaminess had, of it, wheat. 
it it has to. I'm trying not to say cream. Are you you're trying not because you're trying really hard not to say this cream. This episode of brought you know, to you by that creaminess. You know, that oatmeal. Wheat, that creaminess that wheat brings to a, a bourbon. Do you get that same thing here? I am. I am not getting so much the 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 flavor that I would get from like a a weeded bourbon. This is a hundred percent a hundred percent wheat, right? Mm. It's okay, hundred percent wheat. All right, mm. so I'm not getting that sort of the flavor or taste profile that I would get from a weeded bourbon. But if this makes sense, I'm getting the mellowness and mouthfeel that yeah. I that I like from like a the silky bourbon. texture. Yeah, type yeah, of thing. Te- yeah, texture. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it is a similar physical sensation, mm-hmm. I guess. And but to me, it does not taste like a weeded bourbon, which I guess it shouldn't it, because it's a wheat Japanese whiskey. Are you also getting so one of the things that that's got my attention, I feel like most of the time when I'm trying a new whiskey, it's a very um, kind of tip of the tongue, those taste buds type of lingering feel. Right. Um, this one, it's it's all of the taste buds underneath of my tongue. It's again, it's that pungent type of um, what's they proof on this? Stand out. It's only four, it's 43 percent. I think. Three. Yeah. 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 Yeah, what a must of not drink. Sorry. <laughs> I'm saving it. But no, it's it's so memorable. And I really appreciated that because one thing I'm that... I'm barely making it through the first bottle. <laughs> at least you don't have to do it for yeah. nine months. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, <never. laughs> uh, no, memorable. Okay. I like okay. it though. <laughs> no, no that, that was fair. That was on me. <laughs> I mean, you, you, we're only in day six. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> I can't wait. Somebody get that. So, what do you think of their show? Raging Alcoholics. That's what they are. <laughs> Those guys are. Okay. So, I like that as a starting point. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm, that grain choice is impressive to me. I mean, wheat in, in a Japanese whiskey is, is maybe I'm just not seeing. Is that a, is that a, is that unique? Is that different? Or are you seeing so, a lot? You'll see in some blends that are coming out, they'll be using some wheat distillate, which is great. But um, what I can tell you right now, of what I know, is that Shibui Grain Select is only 100% wheat um, yeah. whiskey from Japan um, that, that we've seen. Like, we, we talk actively about it. If you go to our website, um, ShibuiWhiskey.com, you'll see, like, we have, and we actually were putting it onto a new pack that's come out uh, in two months' time, uh, which is called Beyond the Bottle. And it basically plays out on the pack and on the box. And you've seen the website, like here's what the distillation type is. Here's the still that we use. Here's the sacrification, the, the fermentation, the maturation, all those geeky details play by played. Like I would love to see that in other distilleries. Uh, I think Scotland does a pretty good job of answering questions. It's not it's not really like that in Japan. Um, I think we'll get there. I think we're, we're seeing some really great innovation coming out of Japan and out of other um, uh, whiskeys from the east uh, Cavalan for example do a great job of some really kind of cool innovation stuff as well um, but it, but I think there's a job to be done there and then I think there's a job to be done on education like a lot of people don't know why the whiskeys are don't even know what, why would you have malt whiskey from Japan like what is the point of, what, how did yeah. that even happen right. um, and, and even talking about world blending like why like now like people are starting to understand that world blending exists but it's almost like oh, that's a bad thing and we don't want to talk about it. And actually, it was the backbone of the biggest distilleries that you know and love. It's what made them where they are today was that ability to, to, to do we, world blending. Hey, babe. Yeah, honey. Um, could you talk to me about Single Cask Nation? I've heard of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool guys. Cool guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're like independent bottlers. Sure are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even I, I know that. You should you should know that. Yeah. The seventh retail release of Single Cast Nation is hitting US shelves starting in July. What? Yeah. Six new casks of whiskey, anywhere between ten and twenty years old. Nice. Each one more delicious than the next. Wow. Yep. Every single cask has to be approved by me or my business partner, Jason Johnston Yellen. Mm-hmm. We only bottle the stuff that we fall in love with. Yes. We only bottle the stuff that we would want to open our wallets for. I know it. Right? Mm-hmm. We're proud to have Impex as our importer, and Impex is proud to be a sponsor of the Cast Chasers podcast. Nice. Not to go off yeah. on it. I don't want to go off on this tangent because we have so many to drink, but um, 
I think, you know, Scotland kind of walked into that idea of regionality. And I think, and so did America, you know, Kentucky bourbon, you know what I mean? Tennessee whiskey. Tennessee yeah. whiskey. So I think we're starting to see this to your, I've, I know of world blending. I just never considered it that way. I yeah, just, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And I think we're now seeing regionality breaking away. You're seeing, you know, just in micro, you know, you're seeing peated whiskeys coming out, out of space side, non-peated whis- whiskeys coming out. of, And that's such a small example, but that whole regionality and being very close knit to it, I think is, I think the tug of war is how do you make it a Japanese whiskey? How do you make it a Scottish whiskey? But then also, keeping that idea and that, that structure, but then also how do we open up and be original and experiment and be different as well. And I think that's, that's where you find cool. That's the, that's probably the chore. And unfortunately it seems like Japanese whiskey has to take that on. I think more I, than I, anyone else does. Yeah. I think, well, I think there's, here's my honest opinion on it. I think that we've missed out on such great opportunities to try other things from Japan because of the way that the Japanese originally started to work with their distillies. So they didn't do what happened in Scotland. They didn't, even, you know, in, in the States, you know, you can buy and share and trade and blend between houses. That doesn't happen in Japan. It just, that doesn't exist. And because of that, you know, the distillies got really creative. So they started to use multiple yeast strains. They started to build various sizes and shapes of stills in their own distilleries and then any blending that you saw was really being done by you know the same holding company that maybe owned multiple distilleries blending those liquids together rather than hey you want to make a cool blend like here's here's how blending started in scotland it wasn't the distilleries that did it it was the you know the grocery stores and the grocery store owners like johnny walker johnny walker didn't want a distillery he owned the grocery store he bought whiskey and blended it into grain spirit and that was pretty cool. And then, boom, the, the brand of Johnny Walker is Johnny Walker. And, and they still make, you know, one of the most amazing blends in the world. And one of the most iconic brands, not just within whiskey, but globally. And I think that that is, that is the challenge, right? So how can, you, how can we look at what happened in Scotland and really apply it into the world of Japan now? And that just means that J- Japanese whiskey is in such, a, such an infancy in comparison to, to maybe perhaps looking at something like Scotland. Um, and that's that to me is exciting because it means that there's there's an opportunity to taste other things that that aren't just malt whiskey from Japan, mm-hmm. which is you know like like it's great and they're fantastic at doing it, but there are other things there. So when you talk about regionality, the, the first few whiskeys that we're having right now. So and we'll move to to, to malt barley just so that you guys can keep drinking and. The pace keeps going, but the next whiskey is, is our pure malt. So this is a hundred percent malted barley. It's a no, double are, copper pot. Are are these next two? Are they essentially the same distillate, just at different ages? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So these are um, malted, hundred um, percent malted barley, and it is um, matured in the exact same style that we, we did for grain select. So you're still seeing bourbon cask, all are also sherry cask. And then we finish everything in Mizunaro. It's still natural color because we believe in barrels over bullshit. If you have great quality barrels, you don't need to add right. caramel coloring. It's just, it, it, these things are mutually exclusive. Like I, I can count one hand how many whiskeys from Scotland are natural color. I don't know why more, more brands aren't, aren't doing it. Like we're all, we're all fine. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, like it's a natural process to me. That's part of the fun. I want to see what whiskey should really look like. I don't want it to be that kind of, Dark, dark, dark color without, and you yeah. see like the color of our whiskeys is dark. Like we've got when you see our fifteen year old, it's like really mahogany, rich in color. And um, same, our thirty year old rare cask reserve is the same. Our ten year old uh, white oak is a really nice, beautiful, golden, rich red color. You can get great color using great wood. Um, and if your blending teams are great, then they can create a consistent aroma, flavor, and color. On the contrast, though, I love kind of the surprise that you get when you are looking at something like the pure malt and you see that it is that it's a very pretty like light blonde kind of gold color but the flavor that you get out of it is very powerful i i really like this one lots of depth depth of flavor to that one and i mean it's it the the finish of this one Mm -hmm. it's it's been a minute since i i took my sip it's still lingering yeah I, I really, really like that. It smells really chocolatey. Yeah, it's yeah. got a it's got a little bit of a chocolate note to it to me. Yeah. I was getting a little of the coffee. It's 
I'm kind of in, in some of the whiskeys that I really like, and this is something I've had to train my palate about since kind of working on this with you guys. Um, any whiskey that has that everlasting gobstopper feel yeah. to it, like it's got, <laughs> you know, like your, your, you know, beginning course, then you get turkey dinner, then your dessert at the end. I love. And for this one to start off with, um, kind of like the wet nut for a ice cream sundae, you know, like you get the nuttiness that kind of hits you at first. I did get a little bit of a crisp green to it. Okay. Don't, I don't know if that was my imagination kind of filling in the blanks with something like, you know, a nut to what, begin what with. Is the, um, what is the age of that? Can you, is that something you can share or is it a blend of different? So again, it's a, it's a blend, but, it is, I'm, I, happy, yeah, I'm, but I'm happy to talk about it. So for us, our, I mean, every time you make a blend, for our non-age statement whiskeys, because we are natural color, we're forced to the slightly older side anyway, right? Uh, so we're, we're looking, you know, a marriage of six and seven-year-old whiskeys. There might be some eight-year-old in there. There might be some five-year-old in there. But predominantly, we're sitting around, around about that six, seven, eight-year-old mark. Um, and that's why it's got such depth to it, because we're not three years and then out the door. It is, you know, and there are some great three-year-old whiskeys out there, but they... I know what to expect if it's three years old and somebody's like, this is a three-year-old whiskey, like this is what's going to taste like. Some of them are fantastic. For bring, us, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm no, go ahead. I bring that up because I'm, I am starting to enjoy, and I think, I don't want to say the world, but more people are starting to recognize, appreciate, and enjoy younger um, outside the United States whiskeys. I mean, we, we had a Kilhoman three-year that was fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. We had a milk and honey two year that was fantastic. I and a lot of these newer distilleries that kind of have no choice but to be brave enough to put out a younger whiskey. You know, before I mean, if you weren't serving a twelve year single malt, you know what I mean. That was kind of that was your bottom line. <laughs> but now you're seeing these eight years, three years, and they're actually very good. I mean, they're very young. And they take on all the youth of a, a young whiskey. But I think if you make it good and the distillate's good and you hit the nail on the head, even at a young age, you pick a good barrel, you can actually produce a good flavor. You don't need it to be 15, 18, 25 mm -hmm. years old to be great. That color and the nose and the way they're talking about it, and the, I'm not tasting it, but some of the notes are talking about how it kind of just pops all over the place. To me, that's a younger whiskey. An older whiskey, you're going to get kind of one note, Round, more rounded edges, right? Kind of to but it, yeah. Younger whiskeys kind of pop in different flavors, different profiles come out of it. And yeah. I dig that. I, I really, really enjoy that. And I just wish more people would get on board with that too. Not that I'm, I'm a 25 year old single because I will definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it's, it's, it's to me, it's about maturation, right? So, it, age and maturation are two different things. And I say, well, what, what you just described perfectly there is, is looking at quality of barrels that deliver mature whiskey and ma mature whiskey can come at any point like you can get great flavor from a great quality barrel at a specific age and um, but actually what, what we really look for in, in whiskey production is maturation so I, i've had some i often say you should look at a barrel of whiskey the same way that you look at a human being okay right there's plenty of 25 year old people out there that you're just Total dickheads that you don't want to go and spend, spend any time with, and then then the then the 20, 25 year olds that are really mature and great conversation. We want to go and have a, a shibuya Japanese whiskey with them, and that's different, right? But both are the same age and both are different maturity levels. That's the same thing for for, for whiskey, and, and you know, for Katie, she's got a, a little baby girl. She she'll figure that out real quickly. Speak to right. speak to a five or six year old uh, boy, and it's you know they're still whatever, eating mud and running into the wall, speak to a five or six-year-old girl, and it's like speaking to the CEO of a multinational corporation. Right. You know, yeah. they, they've, yeah. got, they've got appointments and things to do, and quite frankly, you're wasting their time, so get to the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think it's, you know, both are different, different ages, uh, both are the same age, but both are different maturity levels. So I, I often think boys, that's, that's no more truth to what you just said. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Bobby has four boys. I have three girls and that astoundingly accurate. What you just said. Yeah. <laughs> they're like princesses and my kids come over. They're not princes. They're like no, the beast. If you never change. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What's, so, I mean, uh, to, to to Bobby's point with with these two, when you see the eight the age diff, again, the same distillate at a little bit of a different age, I would say that the ten year here does have a little bit more rounded edges. It yeah. is a little more sort of like a uh, 
uh, um, sort of like a real gentle wave that kind of, you know, follows the whole thing as opposed to this, um, just the, the standard pure malt, which is a little more poppy, I guess. I, I don't know how, how else to describe yeah. it, but it's got more of these notes that just sort of shoot up and, and say, hey, I'm here. I will yeah. say that the 10, when I, when I nosed the 10, I wasn't getting as much off of the nose itself as I was with the pure malt. But when it hit my when it hit my tongue, it just did this gorgeous, just spread out all over my mouth, and it, it just filled basically every taste bud that I had to then take a second um, sip of it Ooh. to sort of dissect it. You gonna write a book? Yeah, man, Jeez. that's right. That's right. This, this, this episode is uh, is has, has a, has a of error. higher higher rate. But, but that's right. Yeah. But is the front cover just you and your high heel crocs? That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just and oh, the joke has come full circle. Oh, there there we go. But are you guys are you guys seeing I'm sorry, you were, no, no 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 I, I harassed you. I was waiting for you to interrupt me. So yeah. okay. Are you guys seeing a um change in the sh- how the sherry and the uh, Mizunoro play together throughout? I mean we're only we're only two in or three in mm-hmm. rather. Are you seeing the, are you, are, are any flavors starting to come out more? And I think, you know, the, that- yeah, with, with the malted barley that we've had and the pure malt, which I really liked. And then the tenure I just sipped on um, the candied nature of it, I think kind of takes away from some of the uh, stringency mm. in the grain select that we started off with. So there's definitely, I don't want to call it a mellowing out. I don't, I don't want to call it a caramelization because I feel like that's too bourbon facing right but there's definitely yeah that more candy kind of nature to it and uh this is this one this tenure is like truffle chocolate to me on the end of it which i love Uh, yeah right (laughs) you know i I could could for sure see that though and it's it's again it's (laughs) both of these have a fantastic pay katie too much (laughs) i doubt that living that high life (laughs) Both of these have a fantastic and uh, a pretty long finish to them, but they're totally different, and that's what's interesting to me. the 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 pure malt is more more of a feeling, less of a flavor, I guess. And it just you know it sits there. It, it's it it, set, it sets on your tongue. And, God, let's take all of this out of context. These are some great sound bites. Yeah, um, that just sounded like an eighties song. Like right. what I like. <laughs> There's a rainbow behind me. Yeah, um, got my synth board back here. <laughs> And then, but the 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 ten year old, it has, it has thing it it does have um, more prominent notes that hang on to it. You know what I mean? Uh, I I I do feel like I'm I'm tasting more of the sherry. I mean, all all of these are are you know uh, uh, casks that held something else before. So a lot of that you know wood flavor, the flavor of the wood itself has been drawn out. So it's going to take longer for the wood flavors to impart. Um, into it versus the 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 bourbon notes, etc. Nicholas, what um, and I and I know people in your position hate to tell other people what they should taste, and I respect that. But what is the thought behind? I mean, what do you? How would you describe what you might get as it evolves from the grain from the grain select all the way to the ten year? I'm very interested in these two barrel. What I'm getting at is the barrel picks, the the sherry, the ex bourbon, the sherry, and the and the mizunero. And how they kind of play all the way up to the ten year, and just kind of what the planning was behind that, and what what one could expect, I guess. It's a great question. So to me, one, I don't know if you've ever tried single grain uh, wheat whiskies um, in Scotland or or any other just hundred percent wheat whiskies. Like to me, it is the maturation that really becomes dominant with wheat whiskey. So for I I would say that with our wheat whiskey on the nose, as, as the team explained, you get much more of that kind of floral, tea notes, uh, the kind of incense and the coconut. That's 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 mizanara. So mizanara comes to the forefront. But the minute you change the grain, so the minute you move into malted barley, and then the minute you do a double copper pot still distillation as opposed to a continuous distillation, continuous distillation is exceptionally clean. Uh, but it's also, you know, it, it, it's, it's lighter in style of flavour. With double copper pot still distillation, you've got this much more viscous, oily, uh, that mouthfeel that Aaron was talking about, that comes from the distillate process. It comes from how you're making the, the liquid. And then 
just because of the malted barley, it's much more roasted than toasted. So those roasted coffee notes, toasted walnuts, that milk chocolate, that will come from the grain then marrying predominantly with me, that balance between the bourbon and the sherry of getting the spice and the 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 the, the milk chocolate and the vanilla notes come together. You know, that chocolate, what was it, chocolate and truffle? Whatever, yeah. like that's, that's, that, that, that balance of vanillins and spices and, and things like that, given the depth and character and all marrying back to eat, still allowing the, the cereal to perform the duty of what it's got to do. Wow. I really appreciate too that even as we've gotten into the ones that are you know, to Aaron and my palate, at least a little bit on the richer side, there's still like this underlying lightness that I think is a very true hallmark of Japanese like, whiskey. Like, like a, a, a clean yes. taste. Yes. That's the that's the best adjective I can come up mm-hmm. with uh, for it. Um, also, what, what we're going to have to do, Nicholas, is because we got so behind today, is if you don't mind, have you back sometime to do the other three, if that sure. would be all right with you. And we'll no sort problem. of start start wrapping up the com- conversation on these in particular, but yeah, I, sure. I don't, I don't want to do you a disservice by just blasting through yeah. the next three. You know so, what I mean? Are you a part no of Yeah. We'll do a part two at some point. Yeah. 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 Cool. But sorry yeah. guys. No, no, it's no, not, it's, it's, no, it's, not it's, you. it's not too you. much whiskey to go through. No, we, um, and I'll delete this all out. We had a guest before we had three guests today and our first guest pushed everyone down. So. Who was that guest? <laughs> I'm going you. to find out anyway when you post the things. Just tell me who the guest is because oh, yeah. I'm going to chew them out. It was Fred Minnick. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fucking boot ranking son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Fred. <laughs> I'm t- I'm taking his cut. Co- I'm just gonna rip up his book right now. Just go for it. Send it back in tatters with yeah, your signature. Just uh, be garbage. On. Garbage. <laughs> in the trash already. There you go. There you go. That's what you think of that. Nah, Fred, that, that's he what, the the guy knows so much about so much about so yeah. much with yeah. American whiskey. Yeah. And yeah, you know, he was late, so uh, that pushed everybody <laughs> ahead. Right. So how how do we how do we gracefully transition and then? So Nicholas, I was hoping to get your thoughts on this too, because one of the things that crossed my mind was keeping um, like the ranges clean for the listeners, since yeah. that's something I'd really like to dive into. So maybe we can start tailing this together, talking about you know these three that we have sampled so far are from the Nagata range. Here's what makes this stand out, and then next time we'll dive into. Oh, I can the drink when Okinawa. we do the three. That's so. That's how we're going to phrase it. We're going to do it as a. a we've decided to make an intervention for Bobby and single grain rice whiskey. I love it. I love right. it. I was trying to go all geographical. Yeah. And Bobby's just like, I want to get in there. Yeah, so it it, the I got to make it about me. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Right, so uh, right. a lot of people say that I'm really self-involved, but enough about them. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do drag brunches every month here and our host is amazing and her like tagline is always uh cheers to me cheers to you fuck you cheers to me just, yeah 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 <laughs> now that's what this this episode is going to be called so right. kind of bring it together why don't we, Good why luck. we just sort of yeah right <laughs> um so all right so the next three are all of these next three um rice whiskeys are all three of them rice whiskey? All three of those whiskeys are from Okinawa. Those are single grain, premium indica, long grain rice whiskeys from Okinawa, from three different distilleries in Okinawa. And I suggest we push that so that we can do an intervention for Bobby and that way he can drink these whiskeys and we don't need to wrestle them to the ground to have a baptism yeah. of fire. So you know, I, I, lived, I lived in Okinawa Thank for you for your service. Year. So uh, you should know better than Bobby. I, like, I know. Was a I have some stories. So, so. I'm, I'm 100% for having Nicholas back on to do. Can we, for editing reason, can we do, a lot of this is going to be cleaned up. Can we do a purposely for the audience mm-hmm. explaining that when we come back, yeah. maybe you can get him saying, Nicholas, if you could say, hey, so we'll come back and we'll talk about BBB. And that way, it, mm-hmm. that way I can, it yeah. just it will sound well, better. Yeah. That's to, to double down on that. Nicholas, could you do like a quick recap of the three that we just did from Nagata? And then we can go into the next ones will be Okinawa. So on the next episode, yeah. it'll be blah, blah, blah. 
Would you mind? Do you do you want me to run from what we've just tried from Okinawa into that, or do you want me just to stop at the end of the Okinawa uh, the Nagata? Um, I I would say I would say I would say just say so you know that that's something to the effect of so that's the Nagata range. Um, when we come back for the intervention with Bobby, we'll dive into Okinawa. Yeah, something some, like something, that. Something to that effect, sure. and then we'll, we'll clean that up. Okay. So our Shibui Grain Select Pure Malt and Pure Malt Ten Year Old are award winning whiskies from Nagata. For part two, when we come back for our intervention with Bobby, we will cover all our single grain rice whiskies from Okinawa. I'll be a con- convert, as they say. A con- oh, yeah. convert. convert. I can convert. No choice. <laughs> no, I'm excited about that. Yeah, That's yeah. 100% something that I will want to do. Yeah. Because I have yet to witness Bobby drinking a rice whiskey that he likes. And I just want to see him be wrong I've about something. Had, I've well, only I mean, had I'm used to that. Three. And two, or, and to be fair, I've only had three. And two of them were American rice whiskeys. Mm. So. I mean, so I'm not, it's not like I hate them. I just have the, the, the few I've had, they, I did not like. So. Okay. Do you I, dislike I them that. in the way that you've dis, you've said you've disliked Canadian whiskeys? Like, is it that's, that level? No, of? that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, um, that's me hating an entire country. Bobby, I will say this. One of the whiskeys that you're going to have is a 95 point score at IWSC, 95 point score at Ultimate Spirits Challenge and a finals for the chairman's trophy. So you will not be the- <laughs> we were already the judge of that. That's literally what he just said. All right. So Nicholas, as we're as we're wrapping up here, um, real quick, can you just give us your quick uh, plug? Where can people follow you? Where can they find the whiskey? Where can they learn more about the whiskey? It's plug time. The stage is yours. Fantastic. So you can find Shibui Whiskey. Actually, the easiest place to find the retailer is on our website where we have a retail tracker. So you can go to shibuiwhiskey.com. That's S-H-I-B-U-I. And then it's Whiskey, the Scottish spelling or the Japanese spelling without the E. So W-H-I-S-K-Y.com. And you can see where you can buy and, and get a link to to, to where you can what whiskies we've, we've got available uh, and I would also say you can follow us on an Instagram at drink shibui that is it yeah <laughs> been a friggin blast and it oh flew God. by it friggin flew by the fun ones always do they do yeah they do hey cast chasers that's it for this week's episode if this was your first time listening welcome to the family We're probably just as weird as that one relative, but hopefully with better stories. Anyway, make sure to check us out online at caskchasers.org slash podcast to catch up on our full library of episodes. And as always, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cask Chasers, so you can stay up to date on all things Cask Chasers, including new episodes, events, and deals on official Cask Chasers merch every whiskey enthusiast is sure to love. Big shout out to all of our sponsors and special guests for your continued support, and most of all, to our listeners. You guys are the best. And until next time you tune in, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. <laughs>